Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my man himself, Yazin. What is poppin', my guy? Oof, man, what a weekend. Oh my goodness. Newsflash, the Knicks won a game in LA for the first time in 11 years. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is real life anymore. Someone needs to pinch me at this point. Yeah, you know, you're living the dream right now, man. So I'm going to let you stay on your high horse there. I'm not going to shut you down. But I will send a formal apology to all my Knicks fans out there that I've been slandering over the last few months or so. I'm not going to lie, man. The Knicks look pretty good, I must say. Yeah, let's hear it. No, no, no. Continue, continue. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to stop you. Continue, continue. There must be more to that. Uh, Julius Randle is pretty good as well. Okay? That's pretty, all I'm going to say. Pretty good? Pretty, he's yes. all NBA good. Pretty good. Take whatever you can get at this point because that's the only thing you're going to get from me. But You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it and I'll be okay with it because you'll come around. Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. But could you believe it is our 20th episode? I got to drop an MVP for all my listeners and supporters from day one. You're the real MVP. We couldn't have done it without y'all. We hope that we enlighten you with all the NBA content that we put out there and continuing support for episodes to come. 20. Man, listen, the road to 100 begins now. I know it's next year, but I mean, listen, 20 episodes, like we're, we're almost, we're a fifth the way towards syndication, everybody. We are, we are on the way. So thank you for, for listening. If you're still listening after the 20th episode, we appreciate you. We got some more cool stuff coming. This is we're just getting our, we're still getting our our bearings about us. You know, we still have some uh, some growing pains uh, to say the least. Uh, so keep spreading the word. Uh, if you like it, you know, tell us what you like about it. If you don't like it, tell us what you don't like about it. If you hate my voice, tell me to auto tune. I'll do whatever. You know what? Whatever it takes, we will get you what you need to hear. We'll update you on the NBA, and it's fun to listen to you know two guys uh, talk about the NBA and not having to consume it all at once. We we put it for you, we package it for you in a nice little present, wrap it in a bow, and send it to you every Tuesday. Hey, couldn't have said it better with myself. But on today's episode, it's going to be a real good one. We got something cooking in the kitchen right now. We'll be talking about the lowly Boston Celtics, some MVP chatter, and much more. Let's do this thing. Let's drop the beat. On this week's segment of Run That, we'll discuss these lowly Boston Celtics. The Celtics are now 7th in the East, a.k.a. the playing tournament as we are aware. And they are two games behind the 6th place Miami Heat. Despite the promising progress last year, the Celtics failed to stick to league-wide expectations and standards as a championship contender. Has your expectations, Yazin, have changed for the squad? And if so, how far do you think they'll go? Well, the news just broke. Breaking news for anyone listening. Uh, Jalen Brown is now out for the year uh, with a torn ligament in his wrist, I believe. Uh, so that deals a, a huge blow. MVP, uh, not MVP, all-star uh, Jalen Brown this year, you know, alongside Jason Tatum. So, you know, they were already struggling going in. They've been kind of free-falling a little bit. A lot of that the expectation of this team was, you know, at least Eastern Conference Finals championship. I mean, realistically, they had lost Gordon Hayward, right? But Gordon Hayward didn't play to the standard in Boston that people thought that he would be a huge loss, right? 
a lot of people thought that uh, Tatum and Brown would actually combine to fill in that role admirably. And I think they did, you know, on that wing. But what also happens is that they didn't really upgrade at big, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson, you know, it's kind of the shell of a man he once was. He's, you know, a 10 year in the league now. Uh, he doesn't do it for them offensively. You know, he grabs boards, but uh, it's not enough for them to sort of get over the hump there in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they traded for Evan Fournier, which everyone thought was a great deal. Ended up being so far pretty horrible up until, you know, just a few weeks ago. I mean, he had shot historically bad numbers in his first couple weeks there. So watching them play, it's, it's, it's very, you know, a little concerning to see, to say the least. And we're going to probably see them in the playing game if they do not beat Miami this week, which is a huge game because Miami's ahead of them. They go back three games with four games left. It's going to be almost impossible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not not living up to expectations whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I found it quite hilarious that they're falling off this fast, this late in the season. But if we take a step back and dissect their expectations from the preseason, they were one of the few teams, like you mentioned, that were labeled as a championship contender or a conference final contender. And it was a fair take as they projected a bigger jump from their one-two punch in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Now that we heard the news that Jalen Brown is out of the rotation, it looks a little bleak. And uh, when you actually look at the rest of the roster, I really started to scratch my head and wonder, how is this roster even a championship contender to be considered? At the very beginning, you look at Kemba Walker, you know, he doesn't look like the Kemba of the past anymore, as we can tell by the last playoff round. And then in addition to that, the Celtics are extremely thin at the center position. They traded away Daniel Tice, and now they have Tristan Thompson. And I believe they have, I think, Cody Zeller. I don't even know. I like, I've lost track of Luke, their... Luke Cornett. Shout out Luke to Cornette, Luke Cornett. Former Nick. Former Nick. <laughs> former Nick. Yeah. So, you know... They're lacking at the center position. And then lastly, they lack bench depth, which is not only vital for the playoff run, but also for such a condensed special season like this one. With all that being said, I simply cannot see them as a championship contender now on top of the fact that Jalen Brown is out until they address the issues I mentioned otherwise. So it's going to take a couple of years until I really consider that. And frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if they miraculously get bounced out of the playing tournament. You're going to have to see a Hall of Fame performance from Jason Tatum every game in order for them to keep afloat. And frankly, that's simply not sustainable. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, bench depth is something that they really did horribly with this year. They're relying on a lot of young players, man. Robert Williams, the third, Peyton Pritchard, their, their rookie, Aaron Naismith, their rookie, uh, Semi Ojale, he's been in the league for a couple of years. Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Taco Fall, who, who gets in every once in a while. They're, they're relying on a lot of guys under the age of 25, 23 four even some of them under the age of 22 uh and you know when you don't have that veteran leadership uh, you know coming off your bench it's really really hard to to maintain and yeah they have guys like fournier and smart and teague but you know to me the the youth almost outweighs you know the experience here and a lot of this this youth isn't necessarily you know up-and-coming superstar kind of caliber players they're just really you know young players who are still trying to find their footing here in the nba so not having that depth has definitely hurt them this year and i think that they're going to have to address that uh in the uh, off season you know boston's always a destination to go play they, they're always a team that especially over the last i'd say you know five or six years has has really competed and has really built well because they draft well they draft well they sign players well they have the historic championship lineage. So players are always going to want to go play there. Um, but 
And especially with those two guys there, with, with Tatum and Brown, you can sell anyone on that team. But it's not about getting another superstar, I don't think. It's about building that bench out, building that big man rollout. Kemba Walker is, has, has fallen off a cliff. You know, do they move on from him? I don't know. Might be a little presumptuous. But yeah, building off, building that depth, they need some really good six men to come out and, uh, and, and fill that rotation. Honestly, to be frank, this is all on Danny Ainge's inability to use his assets accordingly to build a championship roster. You know, we always talk about the way he fleeced the Brooklyn Nets with regards to trading for a plethora of first-round picks. And yet again, no superstar has arrived via trade. It was hard for them to even acquire a superstar via free agency. And now, you know, you have guys like Jason Tatum, who's clearly wasting his young, cheap years and, you know, putting the team on his back without anyone else helping him out other than Jalen Brown. You know, you're looking at the, the bench, right? You're looking at Semi Ojale. You're looking at Pritchard. You're looking at guys, like you mentioned, who are under the age of 25 who should not be getting those kinds of minutes on a championship team because they clearly haven't proven that yet, right? They've still got a long ways to go. So it's all in Danny Ainge uh, with regards to the poor asset management, so to speak, and we're just going to have to see which direction Boston will take. Are they going to be looking for a guy that can lead the franchise from a front office perspective and actually put the assets and pieces around the superstar that they have in Jason Tatum and, you know, an ascending star in Jalen Brown in order to move the needle? We shall see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have any doubt that when you have two superstars, well, I mean, I don't know if you consider them superstars, uh, but two really good young players, you know, as the cornerstones of that team, both locked up to long-term contracts. I mean, they can only go up, right? You know that they're going to attract other talent. It's all about Danny Ainge putting it together, putting the team together. I mean, at the one point he had these guys and and Kyrie Irving at the same time, like, and didn't they win anything. There. You know? They messed up they there. Messed up there. They messed up there. And Kyrie Irving left for a reason. Kyrie Irving, you know, there was, it wasn't just, it doesn't seem like it was just the on-the-court stuff that was that you know sent him out of boston so danny ainge might have another issue on his hand maybe it's brad stevens uh maybe it maybe it's danny ainge maybe you know the, the players don't have trust in him so you know there has to be a lot of introspective thinking this offseason for the boston celtics because you came in with a lot of expectations you didn't have a huge injury bug this year to where I mean, you had lost Kemba Walker to a bunch of games early on in the season, but it's not enough to really, you know, even in the 72-game season, not to be able to come back from it with these superstars. So they're going to have a lot of thinking to do. They're going to need to build their bench. They're going to need to build an identity as well. Uh, And it starts from up top. I definitely agree. So let's hand over to the second topic of Rundat, where we are now in the witching hour of the regular season with a week left. And we have seen some spectacular performances as of late. And things are starting to sway for some of those who are in the race for MVP, which leads to our next question. Who is your MVP now that we got enough of a sample size? So from my point of view, I look at MVP in several ways. Some may not feel like this is necessary, but frankly, every candidate is a case-by-case situation, in my opinion. When you look at, for example, Steph Curry, he's been playing nothing short of elite this season, which he propelled a Warriors team who really didn't have no business of competing for any kind of postseason play in the West, and yet he got them in a good position. I could see why people would give him MVP considerations, but I feel that it's a two-horse race at this point between Jokic and Embiid. To determine who wins between the two big men is basically what you value in a player subjectively. So 
let's say, for example, if I compare the two, we got Jokic, who is leading in nearly every statistical category and is very impressive, to say the least. He got Denver almost locked up in the four seed despite having a full squad in uniform all season. So if you value offensive prowl and bringing the best out of your players, then Jokic is your guy. On the flip side, as you got Embiid, he does have an edge in points and rebounds, but he propelled the 76ers to the first in the East. And if you value a player who has a massive impact on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, as well as translating that level of play into a regular season success, then Embiid is your guy. So in other words, to wrap things all up, I evaluate the MVP by the latter. So I'll have to go with a slight edge to Joel Embiid as my MVP. But as a disclaimer, I understand he only played, I think, about 50 or 51 games this season out of the 70 thus far. I know that the favorite will be Jokic, but if I had my way of choosing the MVP, it would be Embiid. But I wouldn't be mad if Jokic won it. Both big men have been spectacular this season, and kudos for them to bring much-needed relevancy into the center position because with this whole small ball, new NBA situation, I was worried that we would never see a dominant big man again. So uh, to wrap it all up, I have Joel Embiid, but I wouldn't be mad if Jokic was the MVP for this year. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Jokic. And it really, it, it came as a result of what I saw on the court a couple of days ago against the Knicks. When the, the, the Jokic blew them out uh, single-handedly. He, uh, he had 24 points in the first quarter. Uh, he was almost perfect from the field. Uh, he out, he doubled their, the, the Knicks output in the first quarter himself. And it's not only just that one game sample size, it's after Jamal Murray has gone down, everyone thought this team was sliding. Everyone thought this team was fading. Everyone thought this team might be on the play in the cusp of the play in tournament. It has been the exact opposite. This team has just continued to win and win and win. I mean, right after uh, Murray went down, I mean, they won, I think, seven out of eight games, you know, something along those lines, nine out of 10 games. They were rolling and they're still rolling. And it's on the back of Jokic making every other player better. And that's why he's the MVP, because it's not his just his stats that are, you know, he's not out here scoring 50 points a game. He doesn't need to do that. But the way he plays, the way he spaces the floor, the way he sees the floor for a big man, I mean, his his dimes are immaculate. His behind-the-back passes, he sees guys cutting, he sees guys in the open floor. Jokic is, has completely changed his game this year and has really become the MVP and solidified it with the fact that Denver's still as high as they are in the standings, uh, given losing Jamal Murray basically for the entire season. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has played better. Uh, Monte Morris has played better. Aaron Gordon has played better. You know, he PJ Dozier has played better. He has his fingerprint all over that. Uh, he's making that team better single-handedly every single day, uh, and he's being dominant and and in a way that you know not a lot of guys can figure him out and 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 lock him down. Uh, so for that reason, Jokic is my MVP, and to me at this point, it's no longer a race. I think he's officially ran away with it. Yeah, that's fair. I ain't mad at that. Um, the only problem is that Joel Embiid's number of games played is always going to be something that's considered. And with that being said, that would probably eliminate him from the actual race. So Jokic, he definitely has played at a high level, kept the Denver Nuggets afloat in the Western Conference, despite, you know, Jamal Murray's injury, as you mentioned, and, you know, getting sporadic efforts from Michael Porter Jr., which we're still kind of seeing him grow. And to, despite all of that being said, he's still able to keep them in the top four in the West it is a testament to his, you know, his skill set and what he brings to the table as a, a top tier player in the NBA. So 
Um, looking forward to see what the Denver Nuggets can do in the playoffs. I doubt that they're going to make it past the first round, but who knows? We'll see. Oh, I mean, don't bet against Jokic at this point, depending on who they get in, in that first round. Even if they get the Clippers, I mean, a rematch of last year, I mean, you, you can't bet against them. You can't bet the way they're playing. They they understand the system. They understand the coaching. And, and Jokic is the quarterback out there. He's the receiver. He's the running back. He's everywhere. He's, he's the entire team, and he just makes everybody else better. So I wouldn't be so sure that they don't make it out of the first round. Yeah, I guess we'll never know in the West. We've seen crazier stuff happen. Let's head over to the next topic of Rundat, which is regarding Russell Westbrook, who has tied with Big O Oscar Robertson last night with a total triple doubles by a player. As a result, there has been a lot of chatter back and forth about Westbrook's feet and where he places himself amongst the best in the league. Not to our surprise, this ignited the top point guard talk across the NBA landscape last week, where John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies stated that he himself is a top five point guard in the NBA today. With that being said, who do you think, Yazin, are your top five point guards in the NBA? I mean, this week, everybody seemed to come out and say that they're a top five point guard. Everyone just decided that, you know, they wanted to anoint themselves a top five point guard without really, you know, sort of backing it up or anything. And you appreciate the confidence. But, you know, I don't think John Morant's a top five point guard right now. Uh, he's, he's just not there yet. He doesn't have Memphis, you know, at the top. Here's the, my issue with this question, right, is, you know, who you consider a point guard, right? And there's a lot of, you know, discrepancy between that definition. Some people think James Harden is a point guard. I don't think James Harden is a point guard. I think he's a shooting guard. He's a textbook shooting really? guard. I think he's a shooting guard. He, was, he came into the league as a shooting guard out of Arizona State. He played as a shooting guard in Oklahoma City. He started off his career, you know, in Houston as a shooting guard. Uh, and then they brought in Chris Paul. And then they brought in uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, so he played point guard just a little bit of time in Houston uh, when they realized that, they, you know, they didn't really have anyone around him that they could play the point. Uh, and then he, now he's back at, I think, shooting guard. You know, you have you playing with him with Kyrie. So some people would put him in the shooting guard category. I mean, the point guard category, I, I wouldn't. But for the sake of argument, you know, let's say that he is a point guard. And let's say for the sake of argument, Luka Doncic is a point guard. Another guy who I don't think is a point guard. I think he is a shooting guard. You know, shooting is his oh, foray. It is what they it, yeah, I mean, that's what he came into the league as. These guys came into the league as shooting guards. You look at the style of play. I don't look at the label. I look at the style of play. If they're if they're is known Jokic to be a great facility, uh, is, is Jokic a point guard then? He's a point forward. I still th- I, I don't I don't I don't I don't look at specifically the word point guard. When I look at when I think about point guard, I think of the floor general. That's what I think of first and foremost. I, I, don't, I don't actually know. look at it from technicality of the actual position itself. I don't look at the label. I look at the actual style play of the particular player in question. I mean, Allen Iverson was a point guard, but he was no floor general. I mean, he was a pure scorer, but he was a point guard, and that was like no one could argue that he was a point guard. So it's not really the the style of play because there's well, different style styles of more play. of a shooting guard, though. So that's so that's so that's the thing, right? Is that there are different styles of play. So Russell Westbrook is a different point guard than Steve Nash is a point guard. You know, is a different point guard than. Uh, you know, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson couldn't shoot the ball worth a damn, but he's a point guard. He's probably argued one of the greatest point guards of all time. So the styles are different, but it's kind of hard to, you know, for me to, to pinpoint who. But if I had to give you five names, five people who are, you know, within that discussion, okay, we're putting Steph Curry there. Uh, we're putting James Harden there. We're putting Luka Doncic there. We're going to put Kyrie Irving there as well. And that leaves one more spot. 
you know, for a, a you know a fifth point guard, so to speak. A lot of different guys you can put there. Uh, Russell Westbrook is making a claim, but his stats have just declined from where he he's been. It's just not there. You know, it's not the same Russell Westbrook. He's still amazing. He's still a really good player. Sometimes he gets in his head a little bit and shoots too many bricks. John Morant's not there yet. Dame Lillard could be there, but for the sake of argument, I'm going to argue the point guard, Chris Paul, as my fifth point guard there because he is the epitome of a point guard and he's having a resurgent season. Uh, and he's, he, you can see the Chris Paul effect. The Chris Paul effect is what a point guard should be. Wherever you go, you make everyone else better. And that's what Chris Paul did. So that would be my top five of this era. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he's he's close. He's there, but uh, definitely no, not, not top five anymore. I, I would have given it to him before, but not top five anymore. Yeah, um, my definition of point guard is very different from yours. Like I mentioned, I, look, I think of it as a floor general, someone who has a ball in their hands that are facilitating for their teammates, trying to make them better. So the list that I have goes as follows. I got, not in any order, Luca. I got him in my list there. You know, obviously, you look at the numbers he's averaging, bringing the Mavs to the playoffs again with his style of play at 22 years old in the West, kind of wild. I got James Harden as well. You can see that over the years, he started to become more elite in his playmaking ability and become, and became more efficient, right? At the beginning where, you know, in Houston, where he would have a crap ton of turnovers and now he's becoming a highly effective point guard. And obviously that happens because you play with two other superstars that have the ability not only to catch the ball at any type of range, but to also shoot the rock as well to add assists to his total. So I see why people might be hesitant in giving James Harden that point guard label, but I have him on my list there. I also got LeBron James, obviously, when healthy. He's done a good job with the Lakers currently and put them as a top three seed consistently when whenever he gets them rolling. So uh, I do understand that he, in his past, he partnered with guards like Dwayne Wade, Kyrie, and obviously Rondo of last year, but he always um, finds a way to uh, make his teammates better with the ball in his hand as a floor general. I also got Steph Curry. Everyone knows what he's capable of. He can flat out shoot the ball from anywhere as well as facilitate for, for his teammates. I mean, that's a very underrated skill that he has because the fact that he stretches out the defense and, and brings a lot of attention to him, it makes it easier for him to facilitate the ball as best as he can. Obviously, Draymond is also that guy that can help with that approach, but obviously Steph Curry's in there on my list. And then lastly, I'm going to have to include the point guard, CP3. I mean, there's nothing more I can say about the man. He's simply a bona fide miracle worker for these deprived-ass franchises, and he's done a phenomenal job leading the Suns to the first seed in the West. So, you know, you got to have some considerations in there. Just getting back to John Morant there, I, I do rate the energy that he's displaying, but frankly, he ain't no top five point guard. I don't know if he could even be a top 10 point guard, but that's all for discussion. There's nothing better to fuel you than your confidence, so I get it. For a young guy, he definitely needs that. He definitely has the tools to be one of the best in the league, but he still has a long way to go. Yeah, no, he's 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 still just starting. Uh, you know, give him give him a couple of years. You know, give him give him some time to grow. Uh, he'll he'll get there. He'll get there, but not right now. There's just too many amazing players right now, amazing point guards right now for him to be a, a top five player. Yeah, and as for Westbrook, everyone really knows that I'm a I'm a Westbrook critic, so. I will say that I'm impressed with the work that he's putting in so far to put the Wizards, to turn the Wizards around. But 
With regards to the triple doubles, I get that, you know, it's a big accomplishment that he was able to tie the big O. Not to take away from his play, but I feel like the, the way the league is going, we're starting to see triple doubles so often that the record that Westbrook is holding on to isn't going to be held as long as Oscar Robinson's reign as the triple-double king. We got guys like Luka, Jokic, Harden, and others that are grinding their way up and potentially be able to get to that point if they have the opportunity to. So this also shows that, you know, Westbrook does have the capability of displaying that elite talent in terms of getting that triple-double. But at the same time, I feel like part of it is because of the way the league is evolving as a more offensive-oriented game where you're looking to shoot the three ball, looking to pass the ball and find your effective shooters. And then obviously with Westbrook's motor, getting that rebound and now triple doubles, not really as special as they used to be. Right. I remember seeing it back in 2008, if you see a triple double by like Steve Nash or whoever, or Jason Kidd, like it was a big deal. It's like, Oh my God, he got a triple double. But now it's like, you see it every day. You see Sabonis getting a triple double. You're seeing your Nikola Vucevic getting a triple double recently. So, I mean, it's nothing special. Yes. It's, it's, I'm going to give him his flowers. He was able to tie the big O and potentially get ahead of him as the triple double King. But I mean, that's part of the league and, and the way it's evolving currently. Yeah. He's, he's, he's having a resurgence and he's brought the, the Washington Wizards out of just complete obscurity. This team was left for dead. About a month or two ago, you know, we talked about their resurgence, uh, and it's on the back of Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's learning how to, you know, still in this age, be as athletic as he he has been, uh, but more importantly, make everyone else better. Those assists are racking up. He plays with an intensity that fires just has not dimmed yet. It's not, it's not the same Russell Westbrook, but it's a it's a different version of Russell Westbrook that. Uh, is, is kind of showing the naysayers that, you know what, I'm still here. I never fell off yet. Derrick Rose is kind of having a very similar resurgence too, a little bit to a lesser extent. He's not averaging a triple-double. Uh, but, you know, just like Russell Westbrook, they're both showing like the flashes of their MVP caliber, you know, quality of play that, you know, a lot of people had kind of written off. So kudos to Russ. Uh, you know, he got, you know, the Washington Wizards into the playoffs as as of currently uh, and I mean, does anyone want to see him in the playoffs? I don't know, man. He he he's a guy I don't want to even see in the streets. He scares me sometimes. So you know, kudos to him and, and best of luck to uh, to the Wizards. Well, I don't want to see him in the playoffs for another reason. Just frankly, I just don't want to see the Washington Wizards play basketball in the playoffs. But that's another story for another day. Let's wrap it up. Out of pocket for that shit. And let's head on over to AO moment of the week. Ayo, what the. F- Man, I do not know what to say about this one. But it looks like we'll have another potential repeat offender on AO Moment of the Week in the future. I'll need to summon Kendrick Perkins to the stand, please. So, to shed some light on this, there was a debate on ESPN First Take on whether winning an NBA title is harder than winning a Super Bowl. And here's what Kendrick Perkins had to say about it. Well, let me say this. And I may ruffle some feathers in the football world, okay? My brothers might get upset at this comment. It's, I'm not taking for granted at no, in no sport at no level that it's easy to win a championship, okay? But it's way harder to win a championship in the NBA than it is in the NFL, oh okay? Because you might get a first-round buy. <laughs> oh, my God, indeed. Okay, so I'm not sure if Kendrick Perkins really rides for the NBA like that or just has absolutely zero knowledge in the NFL. But to give the listener some details, I will highlight the paths in which you can win a championship. 
With the NBA, you got to be within the top eight seeds in your respective conference, then play a best-of-seven series in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and conference finals. And as soon as you win your conference, then you play another best-of-seven series in the championship. On the other hand, with the NFL, only seven teams, four division winners, and three wildcard teams in each conference make the playoffs. And if you're not the top seed in your conference, you don't get a bye and therefore end up playing in the one-game playoff in the wildcard round. After that, you play your divisional round and the conference championship game. And if you end up winning your entire conference, you then play a one-game knockout, winner-takes-all in the Super Bowl. So wrap things all up. To all my Game Point potters listening to this, y'all are smart people. I laid it all out. It is obvious that playing a series is much more forgiving than a one-game playoff every round. If that was the case in the NBA, the Raptors would have got bounced out by the Orlando Magic and we would not have won the 2019 NBA championship. Also, not to mention the physicality difference between both the NBA and the NFL to consider in all of this. Kendrick, I'm warning you, man. Don't be showing up on AMO of the Week on a regular basis. What's your AMO of the Week, man? I'm done. Yeah, uh, so to, to just to, to touch on what Kendrick Perkins was saying, I mean, do you play more games, you know, in the NBA season? Yes, you play more games in the NBA season. And and, and is that is that hard on, on a player? Of course it is. Uh, and, you know, the season is long. The NBA season is longer than the NFL season. Uh, but when it comes to how hard it is to win a championship, I mean, you're talking about one-game eliminations. You're not talking about a seven-game series. In a seven-game series, guys can break down. You know, you, you, you can have injuries and you have whatever, you have another chance. You know, you lose the first game, you have another chance. You lose the second game, you have another chance. Third, so on and so forth until someone gets to four. In the NFL, you have four quarters, baby. You got you to gotta come in, you got to hit it. I can't imagine those guys who lose in the Super Bowl to have to go through training camps, OTAs, preseason, regular season, postseason, and then make it to the Super Bowl and lose because of one game, because of one snap, because of one miss, field goal, extra point, one drop ball, a fumble, whatever. When you lose one game, that is hard to do. That's why NFL teams do not go back to back, man. It's hard for them because it, not only is it a grind, but it's a crapshoot, man. You don't get that many second chances to win a game in the NFL. And you only have, and well, now you have 17 of them with the new uh, schedule. But again, you have one game to win each week. You know it's a war for for four quarters. So uh, in the NBA, you get you get a couple of chances to win it in four games. You know, so I definitely think Kendrick Persons is uh, is on one there. But uh, my AO one win of the week also goes to a repeat offender, and it's Luka Doncic. Uh, last night, Luka Doncic got ejected again, uh, and this time for whacking Colin Sexton right in those grapefruits of his. You look at the replay, and mm, it's pretty damning. Uh, he looks him straight in the eye and then just whacks him and then pushes him. <laughs> and then he delivered a quality meme face afterwards where he was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? You're super confused as to what happened. He later came back on and said, yeah, I, I, I hit him, but it wasn't intentional, but I guess I hit him. Shout out to Colin Sexton for completely no-selling and just got hit just full on right in the groin and didn't really nothing doesn't feel anything you know just kept playing uh but Luca, i mean it's, it's funny because a couple of days ago he was on uh inside the nba and he was saying oh you know what i'm not being myself i'm relying on the refs too much i'm relying on getting calls now 
And there he goes getting ejected again. <laughs> Refs are realizing, like, you want to come yeah. at us. You know what? Listen, we can make this a war. But also, Luca was wrong for this one. He straight up tapped him, uh, you know, and you can't be doing that in the NBA. Especially he looked him right in the eyes and he's like, you know what I'm doing here, right? Uh, so, Luka Doncic, I mean, come on. Like, I don't want to keep saying your name on AO Moment of the Week. Please, like, don't do this to me because you're a great player. You, know, you should be humble. You are humble for the most part. Don't hit players in the nuts. That, that, that should be a rule in the NBA, just an unwritten rule. Don't hit guys in the cojones, period. Yeah, I do see what Luca's trying to say because obviously when you're in the heat of the moment, right, you're just swinging your arm. I, I'm pretty sure he did not intend to be like, I want to hit Colin Sexton in the balls. I think what he tried to do was trying to like throw his arm back. Once he threw his arm back, he turned around and grilled them. But obviously his arm ended up in his in his midsection, right? So that was just ultimately victim of circumstance. So I do understand where Luca's coming from, but again, you need to be held accountable, right? So it shouldn't be a surprise if from what it looks like in the video, you ended up hitting him in the cojones and he and and then they end up ejecting you or giving you a technical foul. Um that that's not shocking to me, but I do understand sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you're probably getting checked all the time and you're just swinging your arm and you just have no idea where your arm is going it happens but again at least he was held accountable by the refs and finally was able to admit that he was in the wrong so yeah luca we don't want to see you being a hall of famer not only in the nba but in aom over the week if you want to stay out of that and stay in the nba good books you can only be hall of famer for one of them yeah, yeah stay out of this hall of fame this is a hall of shame it's not a hall of fame you don't want to be on this you know aom moment of the week constantly you don't want to be here. All right. That wraps up AMO of the week. Let's head on over to games of the week. I love this game! <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Things are looking real tense in the standings. I'm just looking through it right now. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I think the NBA mentioned earlier this week that the weekend games, a.k.a. the season finale games, will all be played at the same time range to avoid a lack of competition in the final games. So... Just by looking at the standings, as well as considering the weekend time changes, I've narrowed it down. I narrowed down my choice for my game of the week to the last day, which is Sunday, May 16th. For this one, considering it's the last week of the season, I will nominate one game from the East and one game from the West. So on May 16th, I got the Charlotte Hornets versus the Washington Wizards, in which both teams have something to play for. The Hornets, who are trying to hold on to that eight spot for dear life, has some much-needed energy as LaMelo Ball returned to play last week. Hornets are looking to lock out the ninth-place Wizards, who are trying to avoid the one-game knockoff round if they land in either the ninth and tenth spot. Beal should relatively be healthy by then, but I'm not entirely sure because he does have that left hamstring strain, but should be a good game nonetheless. For the West, I got the Warriors and the Grizzlies, who are also in the same position as the Hornets and Wizards, as the Warriors are trying to look hold the eighth spot in the West. Memphis got Jaron Jackson Jr. back for a few weeks now, and he's been looking quite solid, to say the least. So much-needed bolster in the Memphis front court. Like I said, this is a recipe for an epic finish. Should be a great weekend of basketball to end the regular season. What about you? Yeah, and if we're going to go with one game from each conference, I'm going to do the exact same. Uh, Saturday, May 15th, we got the Bucks hosting the Heat. The Heat are now in sixth place, avoiding the play-in tournament uh, at current. 
if they can hold on there, you know, they could be, this could be a possible first round matchup. Uh, Milwaukee also not completely out of it. And, you know, at the top of the standings there, you know, trying to uh, get uh, secure one of those, uh, you know, top two seeds. You know, they're only half a game back of Brooklyn. Brooklyn's kind of free falling a little bit, uh, you know, here towards the end of the season. Both teams have something to play for. You know, Milwaukee wants that second seed, uh, and Miami wants to avoid the play-in tournament. So, you know, Jimmy Butler versus Giannis Antetokounmpo on Saturday, give me that. And then in the Western Conference, uh, Lakers and Pelicans, that that might even be a primetime game by the time it comes out. LeBron James in the play-in tournament, I know we talked about this last week, you know, the Pelicans are actually only a game and a half back uh, of that uh, last play-in spot, and they've been playing pretty decently. Uh, Alonzo Ball's been on fire lately. Um, so the King versus the Apprentice here with Zion versus LeBron, do we see Le- the Pelicans have enough to get into the play-in tournament? Uh, I know e- the NBA wants to see it. I know ESPN and TNT want to see it because they want to market themselves some Zion. Um, so that game might be very crucial for know them to get in for the lakers to stay out so it's it's it's, it just makes me giddy like we were here in this last week and and nothing is really determined there's only been a couple playoff spots that are that have been locked up but seating isn't determined yet this play-in tournament has been a blessing uh thank you adam silver thank you based adam silver uh for for just being such a good commissioner and just you know seeing things for for the way they are and now we get just competition upon competition let's get it i'm so excited yeah, no doubt. And I really want to emphasize that I find that the seeding race is much more exciting than the clinching of the playoff spot. The clinching playoff spot, yes, it's nice, but when it comes to seeding, man, it's all strategy. you got to lay your heart out on the line, and it's going to be absolutely crazy. So I'm really looking forward to what the weekend has at store. All right, so that wraps up Games of the Week. Let's head on over to Blogboy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? So we got two questions on our radar here for Blog Boy Talk. The first question is, are the Lakers going to repeat as champs? So I'll let you, Yasin, take that away. I want My heart is telling me no, but my body is still telling me no. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to bet against LeBron James. And here's why. LeBron James is the Tom Brady of the NBA. And here's why. He's getting old. He's been in the league for a while. Puts up good numbers. Not the numbers that he was putting up. But he still wins games. Still wins playoff games. and Still is a contender every single year. You can never write him off. Tom Brady in the playoffs, you can never write him off. You know, he's won more times than he's lost. And LeBron James is, is, is very similar to that. Where once he hits that zero dark 23 mode or whatever he likes to call it. Playoff LeBron is different. He plays different. He has a different edge to him. And I think now that he's healthy, uh, well, not healthy yet, but he will be healthy by the time that play-in game starts, playing the playoff starts, depending on what seed they get, it's going to be hard to bet against him. And especially if he's a low seed, I mean, you know, no one wants to see that in the first round. Anthony Davis is, is back. Uh, he put the team on his back against Portland a night ago. If LeBron's ankle is healthy if lebron's ankle is about at 70 percent i think they're going to be dangerous i think they can make a finals run um but it's going to be remain to be seen if they can if his body can hold up all the way to the finals and to win an nba championship i would bet against it only for you know just 
the fact that he's going into it hobbled. You know, Tom Brady, when he was going into the Super Bowl this year, the playoffs this year, he was healthy, you know. But LeBron James going in there injured, that's going to, you know, hurt against him. If he was healthy right now, 100% healthy, they'd be up there in my in my championship rankings. Um, but they're, you know, LeBron James, that especially that ankle, it's an ankle injury, guys. Ankle injuries are terrible. They're so bad because they're so hard to heal from. You can't really do anything with them. Um, so I don't think they win a championship this year. Uh, I think they can they can surprise some people, make it to the next round, maybe make it two rounds in, but it all depends on that on that ankle. Yeah, like they say, health is wealth, and I frankly don't believe that that ankle injury is going to stay healthy for for a while. And we need to really emphasize the fact that this is not a traditional playoff format. You're adding potentially another two extra games if they do end up in the playing tournament that will add extra stress and extra work and effort to that injured area, right? So that's something you must consider. But I do agree with you that it's hard to bet against a guy like LeBron James and what he can do in the playoffs. But again, we got to see from a health perspective and age perspective how things are looking with regards to how he's healing, how much he can put on his back in order to propel this Lakers team to a repeat championship. Um, I do want to mention that there are other teams in the West who have bolstered up due to the fact that, you know, the Lakers have won the championship. And I think that the Clippers, as an example, uh, do remember the fact that they were the laughing stock of the NBA last year of not only blowing a 3-1 series lead, but also the way in which they handled it with Pandemic P and others. And I feel like they're coming in with a vengeance. And I do understand that they're lacking at the front court depth, but uh, I think that they're ready more than ever to show why that they're, I guess, the LA team, but you got to see them prove it rather than them saying it. Just to wrap things all up here, um, I do not think that they'll repeat us chance. But again, if they do happen to, I wouldn't be surprised due to the fact that it's LeBron James. LeBron James, it's hard to bet against the king, man. And I'm not even that big of a LeBron fan. Also, I don't want to bet against the guy. Shout out to Anthony Davis. I don't know if anyone's seen this. Anthony Davis plays a lot of GP- GTA. He plays a GTA role-playing. Uh, basically, you kind of you know assume a character. You got to do your own thing. There, I saw a clip where, where his character basically kidnaps a character with a Steph Curry jersey on, takes him to the top of a mountain, makes him put his hand up, and then executes him publicly. And he shoots him in the head, and the Curry guy falls down. Listen, if, if Anthony Davis is willing to kill a guy with a Steph Curry jersey on in GTA, what is he willing to do with the actual Steph Curry in the NBA? I don't know. Uh, sky's the limit for this. It's going to be... Very scary to Did you see. Not notice? Do you not notice that even the avatar itself looked like Steph Curry? Even the way the body was built, that's what killed yeah. me. It was it was it was like Anthony Davis knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. He saw that jersey, he he kidnapped the guy, he put him on the top of drove him all the way to the top of a hill, shot him, no remorse. Look at his video, look at his face during it. Just shows no emotion. Uh and if he can do that to Steph Curry's you know, character lookalike in, in, in GTA, that means that he can do anything to him on the court. So I want to see that match up in the play-in, obviously. Just, I just wanted to point that out. So if, if that's the Anthony Davis we're getting, maybe they do go far. I don't know. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. We shall see. So let's head on over to our last question of Block Boy Talk, which is interesting, non-NBA related, but it's still related to the game of basketball. What is the toughest skill to master in basketball? So... I can probably speak at it from my point of view. I feel like in basketball, one of the most important skills to have 
is the ability to dribble the ball and dribble the ball effectively. The reason why it is tough to master it is because you have to not be able to dribble with one hand, but with both hands to allow you to open that space needed to drive left, drive right, drive forward, drive back. And in addition to that, moving at the same time. It's easy just to dribble doing that little practice drill where you're like dribbling from one arm, bouncing it to the other. But the fact that you're moving, shifting, stepping back, whatever the case may be, adds a whole totally different element, which frankly, it's rare the number of people who have this skill set to an elite ability. I feel like once you master the dribbling skill, it opens up your entire offensive prowl to unlimited feats, right? You can dribble, drive in, dribble, facilitate, pass the ball, dribble, shoot. The opportunities are endless. Even dribble to getting out of a double team, dribble out of a trap. The opportunities are endless. So I feel like with mastering dribbling is the most important skill in basketball, but it doesn't come easy. It's very tough. I still can dribble with my left. You force me left, it's game over. So I can talk about experiences on my end, but that's the skill that I would say that would be tough to master. How about you? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Using your offhand to me is is one of the skills that is the hardest to master because a lot of people, you like myself, is just used to doing everything with your with with your right hand. You write with your left hand. You play Xbox with your right hand. You 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 know use a remote with your right hand. Whatever. You don't really use your left hand for a lot of things. And when now you're having to learn how to dribble the basketball, but not just dribbling, finishing. Uh, you know, and scoring with your left hand is also something that is very hard to do. Uh, you know, your your tendency is your comfort is when you have the ball in your right hand, if you're right-handed, when you're going up for a layup, when you're going up for a shot. Sometimes, you're, you know, driving the lane and you might need to go up with your left hand because you've got a guy draped over your your, your right shoulder uh, and, you know, you have the left open. And it's it's not just dribbling is one thing, but being able to finish with your offhand is very it's, it's very hard. It's an, something you have to learn. And I'm also speaking as from experience. I don't really play well with my left. I, you know, you know, in in my later years, I, I've been trying to work on it a little more, at least, you know, to make guys think that I can only dribble right and then you know kind of cut back and 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 you know take a couple dribble moves with my left arm uh, and try to finish it, you know, with with the left, but. You know, learning, teaching your offhand to do anything in any sport is hard. Uh, that's why we don't have a lot of switch hitters in, in baseball and, and switch pitchers uh, because you get one arm and, and you kind of dominate with that one and uh, you learn how to do everything with it. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's 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 using my left arm. I'm also, you know, I, I never was really much of a shooter growing up. You know, I was always kind of a big man. So for me, shooting three-pointers is something that I'm still kind of learning. Corner threes, despite being the shortest distance, uh, is actually to me the hardest shot because you don't really have much to gauge on, right? If if you kind of if you're shooting right-handed and you're coming from the right corner, you know your your ball has to be coming at a straight line basically because if you veer to the right a little bit, it's hitting the backboard and it's going out of bounds. So uh, that would probably be my second place would be those those pesky corner threes. But yeah, left arm, you got to use it for something, right? I think we're gonna have to do a game point pod shootout soon when things start to warm up. I will lose 100%. I have not touched a basketball in probably almost two years. So you are, you're going to get that over me. I will give you that. But if you give me a Rocky training montage, you know, give me a, you know, one of those, uh, you know, those cow carcasses to start hitting in the, you know, boxing gym and, you know, give me some good music. Eye of the tiger. No, I might come back, you know, and, uh, and, and, and give you a run for your money. But, um, as of right now, absolutely not. No, I would be garbage. 
Hey, man. Honesty is the best policy. Always. With that being said, that wraps up Blogboy Talk, and that wraps up our episode. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePointPod on IG, and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, in addition to Google platforms as well. Add reviews if you can. That would be greatly appreciated. You know what? I think we should do a play-in tournament special next Monday. What do you think about that? Mm, that might be a good idea and let's get some uh let's get some people on you know the live and i want to hear from them i want to get some predictions i'm tired of talking to you i want to hear from the people damn it yeah no doubt man i'm trying to i'm trying to get some hot takes some narratives things to spice things up so we'll put in out more details within our ig check that out probably aim to do it on the monday perhaps after the sunday slate of games which would end the regular season and it would happen right before the playing tournament starts on tuesday so With that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.